Hello, and welcome to the AgriFood Safety Produce Bites podcast, where we discuss all things produce safety and dive into the rules and regulations surrounding the Food Safety Modernization Act Produce Safety Rule. Hello, everyone. I'm Morgan Anderson. I'm a produce safety technician housed in the Ottawa Conservation District, but I service Ottawa and Kent and Barrie, Ionia, and a few other ones more eastward. Hi, I'm Phil Toko. I'm with Michigan State University Extension. I'm housed in Jackson, but cover the entire state with respect to on-farm produce safety. So I'm curious, Morgan, um, what, so why, why should folks regularly clean? Yeah, so in general, having a cleaning process um, and sanitizing process is important to reduce any produce safety risk that are on farm, especially for like wash pack lines. Um, there's a lot of biofilm that can build up. And basically a biofilm is kind of like a, um, one time an example was given at a training I was at where it's like the film on your teeth. Like at the end of the day, you can kind of feel it. That's basically a buildup of bacteria and that's a biofilm. Um, so that can also happen on packing stuff. So taking time to scrub that off is really important. And then also making sure that bacteria doesn't get on to produce and contaminate it and get people sick. The thing about biofilm to me that I think is, is, or was hard for me to understand at first, is this idea between, you know, biofilms are, are not like dirt. I mean, they're dirt, mm-hmm. but they're more than dirt. They're like dirt plus all sorts of other right. stuff. And so they're, they're really tough to clean. They take scrubbing and they take usually some kind of soap to get themselves really ripped off. And it takes mm-hmm. a lot of work. It's not like dirt that you can just ri- rinse off. Right. So yeah, it's kind of like a plaque that's that's on there. It's not something you can just wipe off with a, your finger or something. The thing about biofilms is they're they're built over time. So if you stay, if you do that regular cleaning on a day to day basis, you could prevent those biofilms from starting in the first place. So you can actually save yourself time in the long run if you do an everyday cleaning. So I'm curious. I know I know you talk about the four step cleaning and sanitizing process, and I think that's really what how biofilms really can get reduced. I'm wondering if you'd kind of enlighten us. Yeah, I can happen to that. So yeah, it's important to remember as Phil is talking about that you can't sanitize a dirty surface. So anything with that that thick biofilm on it or any visible filth or debris, um, that can't be sanitized with that stuff on it. Um, so the first step of a four-step cleaning and sanitizing process is removing that visible debris, that dirt, that filth um, via washing and scrubbing. And then after that is gone and washed off, you then want to take some soap and once again, use some elbow grease to really get into all the nooks and crannies of whatever you're washing, whether that's um, a wash pack line or a harvest lug or bin. You really want to make sure to get in there to remove all those biofilms and bacteria in the nooks and crannies. And then after that, you're going to rinse with clean water, potable water, and remove all that soap and debris once again so it's visible of any filth. And then after that, you're going to use a sanitizer that is EPA approved for a food contact surface. And you're going to spray that or whatever method is used to apply it and let that air dry. Um, So I guess a question for you, Phil, that I have related to sanitizer is, what is a good place to find a sanitizer that is approved for food contact surface? I know there's a list out there. It's a master list. But is there some couple easy ones off of the top of your head that that you see a lot on farm? So a lot of folks use chlorine because it's cheap. Um, it's probably the cheapest of the sanitizers, but it's also, it can be really hard on a lot of metals. Uh, the only metal seems to, to not d- 
degrade or or rust out is uh, stainless steel. It's good for plastics, though. It's good for keeping things um, sanitary that way. Um, a, a second class of sanitizers that are really good with produce are uh, peroxyacetic acids or paracetic acids. They're also very corrosive. They're very expensive. Unlike chlorine, when chlorine is around, like if you take bleach and you pour it into a, a dirty water, the, the dirt itself is going to basically suck up the, the active chlorine that does the job. So you're not going to get that with peroxyacetic acid as much. Um, and then the other thing too is that um, chlorine is very sensitive to, to pH and um, peroxyacetic acid is not. So, you know, a lot of uh, groundwater, a lot of uh, well water, and sometimes even municipal water is high pH. And that actually uh, causes problems when you're trying to mix uh, an effective chlorine bleach, but it won't bleach solution. Whereas with a PAA solution, it's not going to be that way. Right. This might be a interesting question or a stupid question, but I saw someone use hydrogen peroxide. What does that belong to one of the two classes? Or I guess maybe I just should do some research into no. chemically what's no, going on. No, <laughs> it, it actually belongs to the parasitic acid group. So, okay. Um, Parasitic acid or sanit it goes under the trade name sanidate. Um, one of the, one of the trade names is sanidate, but it, we're not we're not uh, endorsing sanidate. We're just using it as an example. Um, that particular or those formulations have both uh, perox hydrogen peroxide in them, but they also have a paracetic acid mixed. So okay. so the hydrogen peroxide when it's mixed with acetic acid turns into a paracetic acid. So. Oh, yeah, okay. kind of like I a buffered that. solution. Yeah. Man, I got to go back to the basics. It's been a long time since I take That's chemistry. Okay. It's not a big deal. Well, we, you know, we got the basics covered for you. No worries. Right. Yeah, thank you for that breakdown. That was very yeah. helpful. So I'm, I'm curious to you, what areas of the farm do you think don't need to be cleaned as frequently, but should be deep cleaned before the season starts? Yeah, something that I've seen on farm a lot that people always say they clean pre-busy season, even if they're operating all year round, like in between their downtime of really green season or the summer season, um, they always deep clean their coolers. And that's a lot of times scrubbing, um, like with their hands, with the elbow grease, um, doing their coolers to make sure there's no buildup of anything in there, checking for any leaks from the cooler itself. The bins, the previous farm I worked at, and all of our harvest bins and like packing bins, um, that were reusable. We took the whole month practically to wow. really, yeah, it was, it was a process. <laughs> um, but we scrubbed those all down and then anything, any bin that was, you know, broken or damaged or beyond cleanable, um, we just threw out and then we added that to a list of what we needed for the upcoming season. So that's kind of nice okay. to take time to clean those bins and also make a log of what you need. It sounds like record keeping was built into that as well. Yep. That's yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of was, it's like a two for one. <laughs> yeah. Well, obviously if you're, if you're doing any kind of gaps or wanting to be uh, compliant with the fiscal produce safety rule, you've got to make records of those cleaning anyway. So mm -hmm. I mean, it's a nice, it is a nice step and you're going to need it anyway for, to get audited or inspected. Right. So right. it makes sense to have it. So, um, and then some other things, especially with, um, with free tree fruit, maybe cleaning those bags that people harvest directly into or whatever method they use. Okay. Um, Cause I know that sometimes 
during the season they're using them all day Mm -hmm. um and it takes a second to to clean them because sometimes they're interesting material and so i've i've seen that a couple of times of people saying yep we clean the bags once pre-season um but i wasn't sure if that was the recommendation or not so maybe you can (laughs) follow up on that well the thing about pick bags obviously you're right they're they're made of interesting material i like that word uh the material isn't always cleanable um so yeah what we tend to recommend is yes a once a year like pre-harvest you know serious deep clean but then thinking about after every after every use and and this depends on the commodity if you're talking apples and apple pick bags you know wiping down the parts that every apple like on the on the top the rim that that gets a lot of abuse from the apples wiping that down with something that's that's food safe like a food safe wipe sanitizing wipe cleaning sanitizing wipe makes a lot of sense if you're dealing with a pick bucket like like in blueberries um there's a lot of ways that blueberry folks deal or or choose to deal with that surface inside the buckets some folks use um plastic bag liners others wipe them out with a sanitary uh cloth like a uh a wet essentially a wet wipe after every every dump um and then lugs really should be run through um like done cleaned every day now the nice thing is we've got some really good equipment these days especially for small farmers that can run those lugs through like an azs uh rinse conveyor and it's just like a dishwasher so it's kind of nice yeah you're kind of getting into like once again establishing that differentiation between regular cleaning and the like daily upkeep like how you're mentioning wiping down where the apples are hitting the the harvest bag Mm -hmm. um and cleaning those bins every day and just preventing that buildup of harmful bacteria and pathogens that you're kind of describing and then there's the deep clean where it's like really taking the equipment apart, taking the time right. to get in all the nooks and crannies. Right. Um, so there really is that differentiation between regular upkeep to prevent a really bad situation, produce safety yeah. risk-wise, and then taking the time to really deep clean with that. It's important, too, to think about how wet the produce is when it touches mm. the surface that it's gonna that you're trying to clean. The wetter the surface, the wetter the, the, the produce contact, the greater the chance there's going to be a lot of microbial activity. So you're going to get a lot of transfer. You're going to get a lot of, of growth in areas that are, that have that, um, that, that have a lot of wetness. Mm -hmm. So versus if it's dry, if you're picking something that's dry into a dry bucket or a dry bin, that's going to be a very different uh, uh, amount of transfer that could potentially happen. Right. Um, is there anything else that you're thinking of when it comes to deep cleaning or cleaning larger equipment? Sure. So one of the things that we encourage folks to do, if they've got a line that uses rollers, either brush rollers or conveyor rollers made out of PVC that are, that are conveying, uh, produce down the line, we encourage folks to think about getting a second set of rollers and move. And so basically what they can do and, and this, this is going to take some work because it's not easy to take out uh, rollers, but the idea is to have a, an extra set of rollers that you can then swap in that are already clean and then pull out the dirty rollers. So instead of, and, and this again, is not an everyday thing. This would be something done once a week. And then somebody invests time into cleaning the rollers they took out um, so that they're clean and dry and allowed to air dry. 
uh, the importance of air drying cannot be overstated. Um, sometimes the sanitizers work best when they're air dried completely. Sometimes sanitizers need that. So, mm -hmm. so definitely air drying is important. Um, Especially with like material like wood, like that needs to, to air dry, to dry completely really. You bet. So. You bet. Absolutely. And in fact, that will make it a more sanitary surface than it would otherwise be. So right. that's, we like that. Um, I've, I have seen folks, I'm, and I know you and I've talked about this separately, about mm -hmm. this idea of uh, using a, a tool that's used in the food processing industry, this idea of a master sanitation schedule. And the idea mm -hmm. is if you can imagine a map of your own, of, of your own facility or your own pack house area and things that get uh, cleaned on a daily basis are colored one thing, things that are cleaned on a weekly basis are, are colored yeah. another uh, color. And then those things that are cleaned once a year are cleaned or are, are colored a, a third color so that folks can easily tell what needs cleaning when and how. Right. So, yeah. yeah, I definitely think that helps for the sake of organization and making sure everyone's on the same page. Um, there was a girl I have who has a schedule and right now it's just one person, but they're thinking about hiring more people. I'm like, well, that schedule is going to be really helpful for when you're hiring more people and you have more staff that, they're going to know what is supposed to be cleaned, when and how, like you said. So um, can you talk a little bit about pressure washers? Because I feel like this is a very mixed, uh, a very many opinions on pressure washers. <laughs> you bet. They do a great job at taking off dirt. But the problem is they also do a great job of spraying dirt everywhere that the water goes. So whatever you're getting off that uh, surface is going all over the place. So that's why we generally don't recommend high pressure washing. Um, that really the idea is to use uh, a low pressure wash to move the dirt off without having uh, basically atomizing it and spreading it in clouds across the across right. the pack house. So. And even within that low pressure wash, um, whether that's a hose or whatever, cleaning from top to bottom is important as well as making sure that as you go top to bottom, everything is working its way down and you're not spreading anything else anyways you're kind of reversing your effort <laughs> yeah for sure for sure um this is also a question or a conversation we had before um is about tool storage and we're talking about cleaning and sanitizing but what about the the tools used for that um what is your recommended process for cleaning those tools replacing them um and storing them as well i know one big tip is just keeping them off the floor whether that's having some hooks designated for them um, but yeah, I was kind of wondering what other tips and tricks you got regarding those tools for the cleaning process itself. Absolutely. So first off, you know, having dedicated tools for dedicated surfaces. I mean, you can get two brushes that work really well and they, they, one may be used, the same brush may be used for the toilet to clean the toilet well and, and to clean the, uh, the, the conveyor belts well. And you don't want to use the same brush, the exact same brush for that. So Different people use different uh, colors that you can either buy different colored brushes or you can use duct, different colored duct tapes to duct tape the, uh, the, the handles of a brush for, for a given job. Like I have down in my basement I, where the cat litter sits, I have um, a, um, a mop and a broom that are only used for cat litter. So I've, I've marked those with duct tape so that I know that makes it nice and easy. 
Uh, that's a cheap way. Now, a more expensive way, obviously, is to buy color-coded brushes. Um, and, and that did certainly for larger food establishments, that makes a lot of sense. But for, for small guys, just a little bit of duct tape goes a long way. Um, another thing back to your friend, who's got, um, who's got, uh, maybe hiring new people. Another thing that I've seen growers do that works really well is using a visual SOP to show what the set to zero looks like. The idea of when you walk in in the morning, this is what the pack house should look like. So before you leave, it needs to look like this. So they have pictures and it works really well. It helps really convey a lot of really good things. Right. It kind of gives that example of the opening shot, but also the closing shift as well. Right. right. <laughs> and comparison of what you should start with and what it should end with. For and, sure. it, and it makes it easy for a manager to go, okay, so this was the picture. This is how we found it in the morning. And we need you to fix this, this, and this. Can you see how those are different from the picture? Right. Oh, yeah. Okay. We can do that. Right. Yeah. Just visuals in general, I think, are so helpful. Like what you mentioned, the color coding. You bet. Um, so well, many ways visuals can be utilized in not only cleaning processes, but just organizing and scheduling around that. So. And, and the nice thing I've heard from managers around that whole idea of color coding um, different pieces, different brushes and stuff is that the managers can watch the crew and not have to ask them, is that the brush that you used on the toilet? Because they'll know from just looking at the brush that it was, oh, that's the toilet brush. Okay, that's the food contact surface brush. One time my mom, she, oh my gosh, I hope she doesn't listen to this, but even if she does, she'll probably laugh. But <laughs> she cleaned the floor with pine sol and she put it in a Tupperware bowl because I don't know what happened to the like the mop bucket. I don't know. Maybe she was using it somewhere else and forgot it at the different, I don't know. But so she put pine salt in there. And then a couple of days later we were eating watermelon. And I was like, why does this taste like chemically soapy? Um, and then she was like, oh my gosh, that's the bowl I used the other day to clean the forest. That's horrible. And, and yet <laughs> so, so true. Yeah. It's the way we think sometimes. Yep. We don't really realize that, you know, what we're using is a food contact thing so we have to pay attention to what we're using for each thing yep on farm and in your kitchen (laughs) yep yep links to anything referenced in this episode are provided in our show notes which can be accessed on the website at canr.msu.edu slash agrifood underscore safety thank you to everyone for listening and don't forget to tune in next month for another episode of our produce bites podcast